And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Rhino's got him set up on the rope right here. Rhino Wrestling Review, brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com, and I am joined by one of those friends at ProWrestling.com, Mr. Doug Evelyn Wrestling. Boom! <laughs> down from the mothership of ProWrestling.com, and yeah, that's capital E for Evelyn, by the way. I, I love the reference, and you know, you and I had a conversation earlier today, we're gonna, you know, pull the curtain back a little bit. Yep. I... I'm a Ted Mosby fan, and I'm not afraid to admit it, okay? <laughs> that little How I Met Your Mother reference, for those of you who don't know what the hell we're talking about. But I just, Wait, I just rewatched a, it again. <laughs> isn't this a How I Met Your Mother show? Like, what, what am I yeah, on here for? Now? Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. We're going to go episode by episode, hit all nine seasons. We're that's good, it. because this episode is going to be legend, and I hope you're not allergic to milk, because it's going to be... Dairy. I love it. Legend Dairy. So, Doug, it's been a while since you've been on the show, man. What you been up to? Well, you know, I uh, made a move from the wrestling scene of Chicago to the non-wrestling scene of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, they, they sent me back to developmental, if you will, uh, just like <laughs> everybody else, apparently, lately. Yeah, um, your in-ring work and, sucked. Uh, yeah, exactly. I need to learn how to wrestle. Is yep, so, that's it. Uh, other than that, man, uh, you know, having a baby soon, and, and and Christmas is coming up, or the holidays for those uh, non, you know, Christmas celebrating friends. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Yeah, we're right in the middle of Hanukkah. Yeah. So put down your harmonicas. <laughs> and smoke your marijuanicas. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> is that by so, the way? Is that uh, yeah? What's the what's the marijuana uh, situation in Texas? Is that uh, is it legal down there? Everything's legal in Texas, right? Not as good as it is in Illinois. That that's one thing. I mean, they're more they're more conservative here. You're looking at a, a more red type of state. I, you know, I I live in the bluest part of a red state. Is really what it is. Gotcha. So um, you know, the, it's not like Illinois where things are legal. But, you know, I'll uh, eventually try to overturn that. Oh, well, that's good, man. You went from uh, – you were in, like, Wisconsin and uh, Illinois area, and then as soon as you left, those states turned blue. That's all I'm going to say. Or Wisconsin did. <laughs> as soon as you left, as soon as we got Doug out of there, went to the reddest state he could find, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's not remnant – that, that's not, you know – Based on my, my viewpoints or my uh-huh. thoughts, and uh-huh. but I do feel safe with all my gun-toting neighbors here. So yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to. 
you're probably in the safest place. If the shit goes down, you're probably in the safest state to be in. <laughs> That's probably true. You know, I feel like, you know, legitimately, I've held one of my neighbor's guns, which now makes me think I'm, like, being framed or, you know, that there was a fingerprint <laughs> situation going on there. Like, so. I don't know, man. We only found one set of fingerprints on there. And it was the brown man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There, there is really good barbecue here, by the way, though. We did go and have some barbecue really recently, uh, just a couple of days back, and it's unbelievable. Really, really awesome. Very good. Well, I can't wait for this COVID thing to be over so I can come down and see you guys. I hear Austin is a, a wonderful place to visit, so I'm looking forward it to it. It really, really is. Highly recommend it. Well, uh, what's going on with the STF Underground podcast available on ProWrestling.com and all podcast flat platforms every Friday? Well, as you mentioned, you know, we're on every single Friday. We took a mini break here, you know, with, with the holidays and uh, going to be coming back pretty soon here as usual. Like you mentioned, drop every single Friday on all podcast platforms. And, you know, I think that. We, you know, a few weeks back, actually now I'm guessing a few months back, I think you and I talked about the switching of the format. So we're, we're not talking about Mondays or Fridays anymore. Pay-per-views are still, you know, fair game. But it's really nice seeing Impact Wrestling a little bit more, NXT UK a little bit more, talking a little bit more about those. Um, and obviously there has been a lot of happenings when it comes to Impact Wrestling too. So that, that's pretty cool. Absolutely, and we actually got some emails about that, which I'm looking forward to talking about. And that's why I asked you to come on today, Doug, because we're going to empty out the Rhino Wrestling Review mailbag and cover a potpourri, oh, love a potpourri of topics, if you will, a potpourri. You know, I, I love being here to see what the listeners have to say. I love being here to be able to answer some questions really poorly and have some good banter with you. I do that every week. I answer questions poorly and have and banter with myself every week, sometimes three or four times a day. <laughs> you know, I heard you can go blind from that. Yeah, well, hadn't hadn't done anything yet. If the COVID didn't get me, I don't think that's going to do it. That's true. <laughs> well, you can always send us those emails, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com. And uh, sometimes we try to read a couple in an episode, and sometimes we just get uh, so built up that we've got to clear them out with an entire episode all about the emails. So the first one comes from Stanley, and it is a newsworthy one uh, in Bismarck, North Dakota. And Stanley writes, is the WWE sending Keith Lee to the Performance Center to, quote, learn how to work the most outrageous and egregious error they've made in the last 10 years? Now, Doug, they've made a lot of errors in the last 10 years. So this is going to be uh, difficult to put our finger on it. But uh, Keith Lee, among several WWE big men, uh, Dabakato, 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 as Shane McMahon would say on Raw Underground, Otis, Dio Madden, is it Omus? Is that the big guy that was with AJ Styles? I don't know the name of that guy. I just know he doesn't talk and he just... (laughs) He is an enormous yeah. gentleman, yes. Uh, he is humongous. I'm surprised they find suits that can barely fit him. Um, <laughs> they're all sent down to the Performance Center for twice-a-week training sessions with Adam Pierce and Drew Gulak. There have been several reports speculating why uh, your boy Dave Meltzer claims that Vince, quote, threw a fit about their in-ring work. 
Uh, another report claims Get us that... Get back to developmental. Oh, damn it! Pal, I can't work! <laughs> another report claims that it is to prepare them for pushes. So it might be a positive thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on just, first of all, specifically Keith Lee seems to be the one that Stanley seems stand, uh, stands out the most. What are your thoughts on the move, and is this the most egregious error in the last 10 years? So I'll, I'll answer the second question first, is that is this the most egregious error in the last 10 years? Of course not. WWE has done more than enough stupid things to say that this is the worst. And you're right. Keith Lee does stand out the most for, for many reasons. One, recently an NXT champion. He made a huge splash when it came to last year's Royal Rumble and Survivor Series. The, the guy is a star, and it seems as if as soon as he came onto Raw that their only mission was to ruin him. Um, you know, from the shorts to the ruining of the music to putting him in an unwinnable situation against Randy Orton. Um, just nothing has seemed to go right for him. But I, I'm going to be honest with you, Dan. I don't think that he's even the most egregious on that list. And and I will tell you, I think that more egregious than that is Otis. And not because Otis is a great wrestler, not because Otis is better than Keith Lee, but more so because of the push that Otis has gotten in the last year. And you're sending that guy that you gave a money in the bank contract to back in developmental. Like, what are you thinking at this point? The fact that you're putting all your beans in the sack or nuts in the bag or whatever you want to call it, your bean bags there and then you're sending this guy back to to learn how to work it just makes absolutely zero sense for that that to me is more of a shocker considering where otis was a year ago yeah the keith lee thing you mentioned the big rub he got at survivor series weekend last year uh, not only at takeover but also the big you know handshake spot a kind of you know christening of Keith Lee by Roman Reigns. Uh, got the showcase spot with Brock at the Royal Rumble. He was NXT and North American champion at the same time. And then you bring him to the main roster, and all of a sudden you think he can't work? I mean, you've seen all these events and all these matches he had. Why would you bring him up if you don't think that his style is the WWE style that you want to see? And the Otis thing, Vince created... The, the whole Otis thing, like Vin, Vince, you know, is the one who told them to work that way, told them to like do the fat guy dance and do the belly rubbing and, you know, eating the ham hocks and the hokey shit with like the, the juice mm, dripping okay. down, you know, dripping down your chin. That's you, Vince. That's you wanting him to work like that. And then you want to send him away like all of a sudden he can't work. I mean, Otis is a guy who was, if I, if I'm uh, correct, he was like, at the Olympic Training Center, you know, for for amateur wrestling, you know, as as like a prospect for you know potential, you know, freestyle uh, Olympic uh, repre representative from the United States. So I mean, so he's obviously got you know athletic skills, but you're having him work like that, which is all Vince. All that's all the, the whole Otis thing, the whole Otis push, the lunchbox, the Money in the Bank, all that crap. You know, that's Vince because he likes making fun of fat people, but. And, and he has for years, but to sit to do oh, all shut that, your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Rock. So to to have all that and then to send him away like it's his fault, 
that you know Otis did everything he was asked to do, you know, and he did it to the best of his abilities. But yeah, you know, those were the two that that really stood out for me, like you said, and definitely also like you said, not the most egregious thing in the last ten years. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> Triple H beat Sting at WrestleMania. Uh, Donald Trump is in the Hall of Fame. Donald Trump's in the Hall of Fame. Shorty Gable. Um, Shorty Gable is one of the things (laughs) that actually made me the most upset in the last 10 years. Uh, Undertaker losing to Brock at WrestleMania. Uh, The whole hot angle they had with the Nexus that they just threw away so John Cena could beat like seven guys. I mean, they've had lots of, let's let's be honest, they've had lots of big-time mistakes over the last 10 years, so... You know, with the whole Keith Lee thing, do you think it's because he works such an indie style that he they want him to work? You know, because his style, from what I saw to NXT, is what I've seen from him. You know, when when he was working the indies, and while I don't watch Raw too often anymore, um, from the the things that I've seen, he's definitely lessened in all of the in all of the things that he was really good at. But they still have him in that style he's not the typical big man you know what i mean mm-hmm. he's not the the guy that does like a chop from the top or anything <laughs> like that he's not a guy that lifts you up and slams you and then suddenly it's like a huge hulking slam um he, he's not that guy so uh, i'm wondering if if that's why they want him to do that because clearly the guy can work he can outwork 90 percent of your roster and and the guy also has unlimited charisma I, i'm also wondering too if the charisma is another big thing and, and i liken it to an orange cassidy orange cassidy works with a crowd keith lee isn't as much that way but is so much more effective when there's a big crowd chanting his name basking my glory all of those things yeah i agree i the only issue i take with with vince on that is why bring him up if that's the whole point of having the performance center? And then when you think the guys are and gals are ready to go from just being trainees to actually being on NXT, you move them there. And then when you think that they're you know actually ready for your two main shows, being Raw and SmackDown, you bring them there. But you don't bring them up and then say, no, no, that's not what I wanted. You get you had plenty of time to. To see what Keith Lee was all about, and you had plenty of time to see him on in big spots like Survivor Series and Royal Rumble as well. So it wasn't just on on. You can't just say like, well, Vince doesn't watch NXT. You know, he, you've, he's seen what what Keith Lee was, and that's I think that's what makes it doubly frustrating for me. Uh, Do you think that maybe he was brought up at the time that he was not just because he's obviously extremely hot right now, um, but he's also not young he's 36 mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he, he's not a young 27 28 year old hot prospect you know um he he's on the older side when it comes to um the wrestling age so i'm wondering if that's part of the reason he was brought up so quickly you know to kind of capitalize on him when while he's hot yeah and it's got it's got to just be disheartening for him to you know get all the way to raw and then you know, potentially be in a position for this big time push, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, back to the PC, and it just seems like the last couple of years, this climb that he's had, you know, it's got to feel like you're, that you haven't made much progress, and that you're going back to square one. But I just, I hope they don't 
mess up somebody like Keith Lee, man. It just seems like like a can't miss prospect and and like you said, he's not a you know, he's not a spring chicken. So you know, the time to uh to strike with Keith Lee you would hope would be in the next couple of years. You know, you're talking about people that have been called up and everything like that. I I think about this quite often, and there haven't been, on the men's side especially, uh, a little bit more success on the women's side, but on the men's side especially, a lot of successful call-ups, there there have just not been. Um, You know, when you take a look at, you know, Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins was more FCW, same thing with Roman Reigns. Um, Drew McIntyre, I don't know if I want to call an NXT call-up, because he was there for, you know, a cup of coffee and made himself successful in, you know, prior in, in WWE, but also in the indies. Um, I mean, you take a look at some of these other guys, like, where's No Way Jose? Where's Andrade? Where's Lars Sullivan? Um, you know, Bo Dallas? Where's Shinsuke Nakamura at this point? Um, with Samoa Joe? I mean, there, there's a huge list of people who are more unsuccessful than they are successful as far as NXT call-ups go. I agree. And we haven't seen Aleister Black since they fired his wife, so... Yeah. That's another EC3 one. was more chasing around the uh, 24-7 <laughs> title. I mean, um, I mean, you take a look at, like, I don't know, Summer Rae. I mean, I'm li- literally looking at this whole huge list right now. Um, Ruby Riot has been horrible, obviously. Bobby Roode... I mean, the list goes on and on and on. A, a ricochet. Uh, the Ascension. Really I remember when the Ascension came up. You know, they were you they mean were LOD 2000. Yeah, they were killers on. Uh, on and that was like kind of a running joke we had on the show here. It's like, oh, they were like the Road Warriors and NXT, and then you bring them up, and then they're nothing now. Neither one of them's even with the company. Yep. Uh, let's move on to Steve in Baltimore, one of our favorite emailers. He writes, I've heard rumors that Ronda Rousey is currently doing wrestling training. Do you want to see her back? And if so, how would be the best way to do it? Uh, for me, I think that, first of all, yes, I definitely want to see Ronda back. But I don't want to see it until we have crowds again. So I, I really don't want to rush it. I think a lot of these uh, you know, debuts... And big moments that we've had in 2020 have kind of been uh, sullied a little bit because of the fact that we don't have crowds. And I think that's kind of hurt some of those. And, you know, here's here's my dream scenario. So Becky Lynch just had her baby. Maybe like late 20. Yeah, mazel tov. Maybe late uh, 2021, Becky kind of starts to make her return, maybe around like Survivor Series time. Maybe she says, well, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. I'm going to go to Mania 2022 and win back that title I never lost. Maybe Ronda's the surprise entrant at the Royal Rumble 2022. Her and Becky eliminate one of uh, one another and brawl to the back. That sets up one-on-one uh, at Mania 2022, Ronda and Becky with Ronda as a huge heel. Not even not necessarily for a title. But I think that would be a, a marquee matchup that, that has a story built in because Ronda wasn't actually pinned at WrestleMania the last time we saw her. So that's my dream scenario. If you're listening to WWE, you can have that for free. And uh, But we know that sounds too cool, so it probably won't happen. 
That's actually, i got to give you credit, that's amazing fantasy booking. I really love that. Uh, I was kind of on the fence about this because there, there's no doubt about it that Ronda Rousey is a headliner. She knows how to get the attention. But I was trying to think of what she could do, and my first thought was a feud with Becky Lynch because that makes sense, the whole, you know, you mentioned it, uh, not being pinned. And, you know, that if if WWE can wait that long, which you know they can't on anything, but if they can wait that long, then that would be a dream scenario. The only other thing that I can think of that would make the WWE a good amount of money and give her something to do and give Shayna Baszler something to do that's not in this lame-ass tag team is bring the four horsewomen out of MMA um, and eventually maybe turn it into a feud with the four horsewomen of the WWE. In that case, you could even see the opposite scenario taking place with Ronda Rousey looking to regain her title at WrestleMania 2022 and Becky Lynch being the surprise entrant. I mean, I feel like that mm-hmm. opposite situation could take place as well. Absolutely. I love it either way. But either way, you know, I would like to see Ronda back. I think that when used right, that she brings a lot of star power and you know she picked up things very quick in the ring you know i think that uh unlike some people that they bring in from outside the wrestling world she was somebody who made a very good accounting for herself in the in the short run that he did the only that she did the only thing that i wish they would have done different is i wish she, she would have embraced the heel side of her because she's a heel in real life she really is. You know, if you followed her MMA career, she is a downright heel, and she does it so well. So it, it would make so much sense to bring that you know side of her personality into WWE, and kind of like they're doing with Roman Reigns, it works. You know, it works when you've just kind of got that aura about you, that heel aura about you, that I think that you could have a lot of success. And for a lot of people that are pissed off about her or the way that she came in or anything like that the only two people that have really done what she's done and and respect the business and toured and spent time are her and pat mcafee that have actually you know at least in the in in recent history i know you know prior to that we had lt and all those kind of people but you know in, in recent history for the wwe those two are the only real celebrities that have put time in time to train time to spend more than just one specific marquee match you know um other celebrities that have done it and done it well are like steven amell but he only was there for survivor series um 2011 or whenever it was but other than that you know pat mcafee ronda rousey are the two that have put a lot of respect into the business um so you know definitely deserve to be to come back for sure Well, this next question is kind of a silly one, but I loved it so much that I just had to put it in there. Peter from Buffalo, New York writes, Now that Donald Trump is a free agent, (laughs) do you think he will return to WWE or go to AEW, New Japan, Impact, or back to the Indies since he burned his bridges with CMLL and AAA? (laughs) You stupid idiots! You know, all of those acronyms you just mentioned, WWE, AEW, CMLL, I think the only acronym that Donald Trump's going to have to worry about are the the acronym of FBI. So, you know, that's all I'll say about that. Donald Trump is FBI. He's all elite. FBI. It's gonna be... And I don't mean full-blooded Italian. Okay? Oh, 
they're gonna we're gonna uh, reclaim ECW and bring uh, Donald Trump in as the part of the full blooded Italians. Uh, yeah, definitely. The president of the FBI. I don't think he's welcome. Uh, I don't think he'd be welcome in CMLL or Triple A. Um, since he was going to try to make uh, Mexico pay for that wall. I don't know if he's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think that's going to work out. But thank you, Peter. That's, a, that's an awesome email. Uh, James in Saratoga, California writes, Is Tony Khan just a money mark? Like many people call him online, or is that unfair? All right, Doug, I'm going to let you go first on this one. You've, you've heard the term before, I'm sure, by the Internet wrestling community. Calling Tony Khan a money mark. What do you think about that uh, term, and do you think it's unfair? You know, I'm not really sure what the term money mark is. I can only assume that it means he's a mark for wrestling who has money. And, and you know what? Is that so bad, first and foremost? Is a guy who is who wants to start his own company with a lot of wrestling – with a lot of wrestling knowledge is that bad now i do think that it is unfair because first and foremost the guy is a businessman he clearly knows how to run professional teams especially you know with the soccer team or football um and and also you know having a hand with the jacksonville jaguars he's also you know as far as brains wise statistically and everything like that the guy's a damn genius lastly I've had conversations with Tony Khan about wrestling, and legitimately, I don't know anybody else who knows more about wrestling than Tony Khan. The guy, you know, not just knows wrestling, but intricacies of where something took place, of an exact moment, an exact year. He's a freaking encyclopedia. Um, And quite honestly, it is refreshing to have somebody that, is in tune with what the fans want and also is in tune with, you know, being passionate about what, what the product is. Um, plus he's a really nice guy and he's from Illinois. So, you know, leave Tony Khan alone. Leave Tony Khan alone. (laughs) Yeah. I, I hate the money mark term because I think it kind of implies that he is just, they're just using him for his money. Uh, that he's being taken advantage of and I, I don't feel that they're I don't feel like the wrestlers I don't feel that like the the all the the, the 37 executive vice presidents they have in that company I don't feel like now. I don't feel like they're taking advantage of, of Tony Khan uh, you know he is a big fan of wrestling and he is a big fan of of those wrestlers that he brought in or else he wouldn't have you know given them such you know, prominent roles in his burgeoning company. The, the thing that I don't like about it is that I wish Tony Khan wasn't just writing the shows. I, I, I think he, I wish he would hire like a more experienced like Booker, you know, like an old school you Booker. You want him to be on the shows. I do not. I, I don't, I hate when he does things on camera. You want him camera. to be the authority? I do not. I'm, I'm honestly worried that he's going to turn into Dixie Carter. I'm I'm really worried about that because she just you think wanted... he's going to turn into Shao Kahn? I mean that would be kind of cool. Like <laughs> like uh, what is it? Is it Triple A that's doing like the Marvel thing right now? They've got like Marvel characters that are wrestling for them right now. So I mean we could probably get Mortal Kombat guys and 
We already glaciers you there. Weak, pathetic fool. Yeah, there you go. He can get that down. Glacier's there. <laughs> he could be like Sub Zero. Uh, but that's the only thing I'm worried about. I don't want him to turn into to Dixie Carter, where he's like the authority and he's like on camera. I just, I kind of feel like he. I don't. From from everything we hear is that he's writing the shows. Like he is, you know, booking these shows. And I kind of, I don't know. I don't. Maybe that's a little too micromanaging for him. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But. Uh, I mean, as far as taking advantage, though, I don't, you know, I, I feel like they actually did take advantage of him, but he also took advantage of them. It's a very much mutual advantage, and I mean that because Tony Khan was starting a wrestling promotion regardless of the Bucks and Kenny and Cody being available or not. Those guys were just in the right place at the right time, and Tony Khan use their notoriety and their names to be able to start his wrestling company in the fashion that he, that he did. He was probably going to have a wrestling company not on TNT without those names. With those names, he's on TNT. Uh, the other thing I don't want to see anymore is, you ever see that, that, that video that I guess when the Dyna, one, one of the dynamites went off the air and he like stunned somebody in the ring and it gave somebody like the Stone Cold Stunner? Okay, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see yeah, that. I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but Money Mark, a little little unfair. Uh, speaking of Marks, Mark the Mark is our next emailer. He's a Hall of Fame emailer, and he writes, Is Rich Swan the right guy to lead Impact as world champion? With four champions in the last six months, it doesn't feel like the company is confident in anyone right now. So we had uh, Tessa Blanchard, I guess at the uh, beginning part of the summer, who vacated the title because she didn't feel like doing some showing up yeah on or she didn't feel like sending in some videos or something like that and so they vacated it and then in july they put it on eddie edwards and then eric young took it shortly thereafter and then rick swan took it shortly thereafter so it, do you think rich swan is the guy that impact needs right now as world champion you know, I hate saying this because Rich Swan is legitimately one of the nicest people I've, I've ever met. And, you know, but the answer is no. And as much as I would like him to get into that, the, the fact is that Impact Wrestling just doesn't have that solid of a main event card right now. They have a lot, nearly everybody is a, is a mid carter, but we don't have a lot of main eventers. I mean, mm -hmm. but if you think about it in the last two years there are so many names that just aren't there anymore you know sammy callahan's taking a back seat but you know and i love sammy but his stick gets a little bit old you know um but you think about who's gone the lucha bros are gone with those guys either one of them could have been you know yep. main eventer but they're gone lax who was putting on main events with the lucha bros and and very uh you know had that notoriety gone um, Brian Cage, Michael Elgin, uh, Tessa Blanchard, you mentioned. I mean, you lost all of those guys pretty much almost all at once. And now the company's really just left with WWE guys that they keep signing, you know. And, and while, you know, EC3 is not a WWE guy, people are thinking about him recently as a WWE guy. You know, you take a look at Brian Myers, Heath Slater, whenever he's around. Um, you take a look at the Good Brothers. You know, all those guys are recent WWE rejects, mm -hmm. unfortunately. 
So who are you left with? Mid-carters and WWE guys. So they need to do a good job of building up some big names or signing some big names, you know, and people that people legitimately love when it comes to the indies. And, you know, while I'm not a big fan of him, Warhorse comes to mind along with some others, you know, out there that people really love to see that could carry the company for the next six months to a year until they really rebuild the roster. Yeah, for of the four that have ha- held the title since June, I think Rich is probably the best choice. Uh, just because he's a much different performer than the other three, Tessa, Eddie, and, and Eric Young. St- you know, Rich Swan's still at his athletic peak, but he just doesn't feel, I think it you know, kind of goes back to something you just said, he just doesn't feel like a main event star to me. He feels like he'd be like a solid mid-card guy. He's a great wrestler. He's, you know, a cool guy. But we've seen what he is. You know, I just don't think he's that guy that moves the needle for the for Impact and kind of, you know, put, gets them to that next level that they want to be at. And neither did Eric Young. Neither does Eddie Edwards. You know, Tessa, at least at the time, was a different choice. But and ended up being a shitty human being. It, you know, is Rich the guy? I don't, if it's not him, I don't. I really don't know who. The only person that kind of jumps out to me is somebody who I've kind of changed my tune on over the last couple months, and that's Moose. Because Moose's feud with EC3 really changed my mind about him. Uh, he used to be the guy was just wearing like the garish outfits and acting like an idiot heel, you know, when he was wearing like all like the, the bright colored clothes. And, and and then when he found the TNA title, that just seemed silly, too. And it just made him look goofy. But that whole EC3 feud and then the match they had I really brought out a, a new side of him. And I like the new presentation of his character. I'm starting to like his his in-ring work better as a result. I think Moose could be the guy. I think he could be somebody who, you know, he's been calling himself Mr. Impact Wrestling for a while. Maybe we're getting close to where uh, that time could come true. So that could be a possibility. Moose is definitely a guy. But but my question for you then with Moose, because he's definitely someone who I've enjoyed seeing over the last several years. But... To be a, a you know on on top, you need a good foil, right? Which mm-hmm. means you need two potentially. Yeah. You know, unless you just have that revolving door, which doesn't really do anything for Moose long term, right? So, I mean, I don't know if they have that good foil for him. I mean, if, if Moose is a baby face, you know, you put Sammy Callahan in there, and it's you know fine and easy. Um, but as a heel, I really don't know who's a good baby face that you know, Moose triumphs over and carries a title with. You know, I think there was, it was kind of alluded to on Impact this past week, uh, or was kind of mentioned, the the previous singles success that Carl Anderson had in Japan. You know, Carl yeah, Anderson's a guy who I think is like super underrated. Uh, even, even when he was in WWE, he was one of, a guy, one of the guys that I thought flew under the radar a little too much. I mean, if... I don't know how long, you know, Luke Gallows is going to be out, but, you know, I think Carl Anderson, you know, prospect as a as a singles wrestler and impact moving forward could be something that's really interesting. But like you said, I mean, they may need to bring in they, they may need to open up the checkbook a little bit. They may need to bring in some guys uh, that can kind of compete right away at that main event level, because 
do, do you see Brian Myers being, you know, Impact Champion? Do you, <laughs> do you see Heath, who had who lost his last name in the in the divorce with WWE? Do you see Heath being Impact Champion? Do you see, you know, I don't I don't TJP, another guy that they brought in, you know, do, another WWE cast off. Uh, I think Chris Bay is a guy that could eventually get there, but he's kind of like um, Ace Austin in that he's he's still still needs time to kind of you know heat up a little bit. And I think you know when crowds come back, that'll help, especially a guy like Ace Austin who who's you know that smarmy heel that you just want to boo. But you know I don't Ace Austin's super young. I don't know how young Chris Bay is, but I would have to assume he's in his mid twenties. But I, I think those could be potential, you know, uh, cornerstones going forward. But right now, like you said, it's very mid-card heavy in impact. And I think that's why Rich Swan is kind of the guy right now. I mean, uh, if they're going to open up their checkbooks, I do know one guy who they can get and make a big deal. And his name is John Cena! Oh, oh shit! <laughs> they did have The Rock on earlier this year, so, you know, we know that if they got The Rock, they can get John Cena. Why not? That's true. That's true. He's not <laughs> doing anything, right? No, I don't. I wouldn't think so. Uh, Nick in Mobile, <laughs> Alabama writes, Dave Meltzer mentioned the other day that WWE's short-term goal is to make Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss in the top baby phases. Is that a plausible outcome, and can that really work? I had to look this up because I didn't hear this. <laughs> but 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 I looked it up and apparently uh, Meltzer mentioned on uh, on the Wrestling Observer uh, radio show that he heard that the plan is to turn the Fiend and Alexa Bliss babyface sooner rather than later. So the questions aren't they babyfaces right now? Are they? So so here's this is a very interesting question. So I think that they are babyfaces right now. And and granted, I said at the top of the show, I haven't watched Raw consistently in a very long time, but I happened to turn it on this week, and or I guess last week at this point. And the opening segment was a heel Randy Orton, because Randy Orton, as far as I know, is still a heel. Yeah. You know, on there with Bray Wyatt in, in a program with Alexa Bliss. So, but, you know, to answer this question, is this a plausible outcome? Can it really work? I'm going to go ahead and say no because of the fact that The Fiend and Alexa Bliss are so dark. I was watching this, and, and you know, Dan, I know that, again, as far as I know, The Fiend and Alexa Bliss are baby faces, but the things that they say, I don't know how they're cheerable right. because there's no redeeming quality to it. Right. There's nothing that, you know, sure, the Bray Wyatt character with the sweater and, and the – little games that they play and everything like that like are funny to watch but i found myself you know thinking like okay i think randy orton might be the baby face here like i I really don't know what's going on it's just very confusing didn't alexa bliss murder a, a stuffed animal with a hammer a couple weeks ago like a frog or something sure i think she did I think I think she did, I, and I think there was like frog guts and like little puppet frog guts, everything. Though that's and they're baby faces, I guess. I don't know. 
Are there going to be baby faces? But they murdered stuffed animals, Doug. I don't know. I yeah, don't. I mean, what was their what was their end program on SmackDown? Was it against Roman? Um, and I think it was against heel Roman, right? So heel Roman came in in that uh, triple threat, I guess, with the Fiend and Braun, and that's when heel Roman made his big return with yeah. Paul Heyman and, and won, won the title. And then I then that's right, yeah. And then uh, the Fiend just got drafted to Raw. Then right, I think it just kind of ended shortly thereafter. Yeah, and you know then he was put in that. It, so it was right at that time that it was Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton. Randy Orton was clearly the heel, mm-hmm. and the Fiend was the one that was like luring Randy Orton at that time, right. which, in my opinion, makes him babyface, quote unquote. Yeah, I guess I. Can you tell me why I should care about the Fiend? Because I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I haven't gotten it for a long time. It feels like it's it run has run its course a long time ago. The matches, unless they, unless he's against Daniel Bryan, the matches suck. I, can, can you give me any reason why I should care about Bray Wyatt at at this point? Am I missing something? The short answer is no. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason for you to care about him right now. I think that he lost an incredible amount of steam when he lost to Seth Rollins or the DQ or called match at Hell in a Cell. Yep. And then didn't he lose as well against Goldberg? Yes. Um, like with the spear or whatever. I think that that absolutely killed him. And nobody likes Braun Strowman, so you put him in a program with him that's totally uninteresting with Braun Strowman, who is now not a monster and he's a hillbilly or whatever he is mm-hmm. now. So I really don't know why they keep doing this to the fiend and ruining really one of the best things that the WWE has had in the last five years. And I mean, how unbelievably hot that he was going into that feud with Seth Rollins and putting him in that no win situation. It's just, you ruin multiple people with that. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot that it's, uh, when we were mentioning what he did after the the Roman thing, he had a little feud with Kevin Owens. You remember that? He had a little like mini feud with Kevin Owens. <laughs> the look on your face tells me that nah, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody else remembers it either. Uh, I, the only reason I remember that is because you mentioned you. I, th- here's my like Slumdog Millionaire way of uh, how I got to the answer. Uh, you mentioned the Fiend wrestling. I was there. <laughs> the Fiend wrestling Goldberg, and I remember the Fiend sandbagging Goldberg on the uh, on the jackhammer, and like Goldberg couldn't get him up because the Fiend like uh, just dead weighted him, and so it was like the shittiest jackhammer ever. Uh, and then the Fiend did the same thing to Kevin Owens on a pop up power bomb, where he was supposed to pop up power bomb the Fiend on the announce table, but the Fiend didn't get up like high enough so they had to do it twice to break the table fiend i I don't know man i think he's sandbagging a lot of people i'm I'm looking back here at like recent clips of smackdown it looks like in august he was with vince mcmahon for some reason and then after (laughs) that he was with kevin owens like you said um crashing the ko show but then after that he was against heel braun i think that was his last 
real feud when he took Alexa Bliss or whatever. That yeah. for some reason now Alexa Bliss is with him. So yeah, yeah the, the point is, you know, to whoever the emailer was here, I, I lost the uh, you know uh, Nick, Nick from Mobile, Alabama. Nick, yeah, you know, the, the point is Nick. Why do you care about the fiend? <laughs> <laughs> we we don't, we don't. So why should you exactly? Uh, so I, I don't know. Does a baby face fiend provide the cure? I just don't see it. I just don't see how I. I'm just done with it. I just don't care, you know. Like so much stuff on WWE TV right now, I just don't care. And like Braun against uh, Bray, that's if if and when I spend eternity in hell, that's what I'll be watching. Is Braun Strowman against Bray Wyatt <laughs> on on loop? It could have been so good too. It could have been so good. Uh, Paul in St. Louis, another one of our favorites here. What is the re- best redemption story in wrestling history? So uh, you and I were kind of talking about this before we started recording. Like, what is a redemption story? Because I think you and I kind of had different interpretations of it. So for me, it, I kind of went the route of like somebody that had like skeletons in the closet or demons to overcome or somebody that the wrestling business should have killed them, but they kind of like got their life together. (laughs) So what were you thinking of when you were thinking of like redemption story in in wrestling? So I I was thinking about a couple of different ways that this could have gone right, because it's easy to say a redemption story is from someone going from zero to hero or going from heel to baby face and making that turn, you know, and, and thinking about, Someone like Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the double turn with Bret Hart and making his way to WrestleMania could be a, a quote-unquote redemption story, but that doesn't feel redeemed. I don't feel like he's redeemed from anything. Um, and and I think the other one that stands out that many people would say is the Daniel Bryan one, right? Because Daniel Bryan, but I feel like that's not as much a redemption story to me as it as much as it is an overcoming the odds story. Mm-hmm. So I had to go with uh, – I'll give you two of them. My first one is Triple H's return in 2002, I believe is what it was, where Triple H was a heel, um, a big heel with the um, two-man power trip and you know, went through his whole injury and, and came back and redeemed himself with this whole – you know, return in Madison Square Garden, one of the, my favorite returns when it comes to that. Um, but I think number one is absolutely no question. And, and and it's just the most obvious to me. And that is Shawn Michaels' return um, after a four-year retirement coming back. And for one, in one of my favorite programs ever and storylines ever with – Sean uh, with uh, Triple H, which which I'm getting legitimate goosebumps right now of thinking back, him coming back and having that DX moment with Triple H where you still didn't know if he was going to wrestle Triple H and Sean in the back and um, Triple H throws a bag at Sean and says, you know, here, come out and wear this. And he looks in, he's like, oh, really? And they come out and hear, are you ready? And then make their way to the ring. They're doing their whole shtick, Triple H kick pedigree mm-hmm. afterwards they have that non-sanctioned um, non-sanctioned match which you know saw triple h get or giving Shawn michaels a couple of uh sledgehammers in the back which was really brutal at the time mm-hmm. especially 
thinking about Sean, you know, and his injuries. And then eventually in the Elimination Chamber match where Shawn Michaels wins the WWE or the World Championship at that yep. time. I feel like that is my favorite redemption story in, in WWE, bar none, period, anything. Yeah, Shawn Michaels is, is my top one, too. Because when he was on top, you know, there's all these stories about how just how bad of a guy he was backstage and how if you weren't in his little you know circle of friends, you hated his guts, you know, and then his career, unfortunately, got ended early. He, you know, got uh, addicted to, you know, painkillers and somehow years later down the line, he finds God. He has a second career. He's now a respected trainer in, in NXT. You know, so he really got his life together. I mean, he really just had like a second shot at a wrestling career and had a second shot at at having a, a good life. And he he did it. You know, he, he really did it uh, against all odds. Uh, Jake the Snake's another one, too. You know, if you've seen Beyond the Mat, it really showed him at his lowest point. You know, he even himself said that he should have been dead. Uh, DDP got him back on track. Uh, Jake's connected with his family now that he wasn't before. In the WWE Hall of Fame, he's got a good gig with AEW. And uh, Kurt Angle is another one for me who was uh, lost his job in WWE, was addicted to, to painkillers. His marriage fell apart. He slipped deeper into depression and drugs, but got cleaned up. WWE Hall of Fame had one last run and seems like he's in a really good place now. So those are, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you on the Shawn Michaels one probably being top uh, on my list. But those are a couple other good ones, too. Absolutely. Uh, Ted in Kansas City. We've got a few more emails left here. Uh, Ted writes, what is the biggest AEW match that hasn't happened yet? So, Doug, when you're looking at... uh, the AEW roster right now, and you're kind of playing matchmaker with some of those pieces that they got right now. Does anything stand out to you as a marquee match that we haven't seen yet? My short answer is no, um, but I'm going to give one here in, in just a second. But I say no because I feel like AEW has done a horrible job when it comes to they give away a lot of matches on TV for free. Mm-hmm. A lot of matches that to me should be main event matches at a pay-per-view. You know, guys like, you know, Cody and Lance Archer that happened so long ago that you ruined Lance Archer with, or, you know, Eddie Kingston and, you know, John Moxley has already happened. You know, Kenny and Kenny and Moxley has already happened. Kenny and Jericho has already happened. Cody and Jericho has already happened. MJF and Jericho, who you thought would meet maybe meet down the line, Met in this stupid, meaningless match at full gear. Um, you know, when you take a look at those top names, all of them have met. And, and I'm going to give you one right now that has already happened. And it happened, I believe, at, at full gear, which is Kenny Omega against Hangman Page. And they pulled the trigger on that one too early for me, where it, the, it meant nothing and they haven't followed up with it even a little bit. But... If they do it correctly, the one that hasn't happened yet is that match, Kenny versus Hangman, but for the World Championship. Mm-hmm. There's that money there. That match has not yep. happened yet, and that there is humongous money there. That is the redemption of Hangman Page yep. right there. We're talking about redemption. 
and going full circle from being in that initial match where he was the guy against Chris Jericho and coming back and beating his former partner with Kenny Omega. That is, uh, that's a great one. I think if they build that right, especially in front of crowds, especially if this, you know, heel Kenny Omega, uh, storyline really picks up and kind of goes on a little extended run here, then if we can carry this into, you know, mid 2021, when we can maybe get some bigger crowds back, then that could have a lot of heat behind it. Uh, I do have a few, a couple that stand out for me. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by Cody versus Moxley as like a clash of styles. That's something that we haven't haven't seen. Uh, either you know Cody as a heel or Cody as the babyface. I, I could see it you know either way. Uh, Moxley and and Hangman. Did we see? Have we seen that yet? No, but to be honest with you, and the reason why why I haven't said any of those. As I'm a little bit moxleyed out, yeah. So it's hard for me to put him in any of those spots, you know, specifically because every single one of his matches are the exact same. Yeah. Well, good, um, good thing is it looks like he's probably going to take a little break for a little while and kind of recharge. So, you know, that might be a good thing for him and for uh, you know yeah. fans too. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, I, I had a lot of excitement for him before. Um, but uh, he definitely needs a little bit of I miss you time off, you know? I I think Cody and Kenny Omega would be one that we kind of saw when they were jockeying for, for leadership of the Bullet Club with New Japan. I think we saw that in, uh, I think it was in California somewhere, one of those uh, New Japan shows that, that came over. And, uh, you know, they eventually got things worked out and kind of, you know, got back on the same page but there was a while there where those two were feuding and bullet club I, is fine i i think yeah i think that could be something interesting in uh in aew and then uh you know somewhere down the line probably way down the line but mjf and kenny omega i think could be could be interesting uh because i think mjf is going to be the biggest heel in the business for the next few years and then when he turns babyface. <laughs> It's going to be the biggest – he's going to be the biggest baby face in wrestling. I'm telling you, uh, I, I, a lot of people like can't see uh, MJF as a baby face, but I think – and that's usually what, what makes the, the best baby faces is when the, the heel that's been the bad guy the whole time finally goes over to the other side. I think uh, you know MJF as a, as a baby face going against a heel Kenny Omega – could be something a couple of years down the line that could be really interesting for me. But that could, you know, I would have could said just the be same wishful thing. thinking. I, I would have said the same thing when AEW started because even as a heel, the guy was getting mega pops. I mean, yep. I think about when you know Cody versus Jericho happened and, and MJF came out to help Cody. You know, you still hate MJF, but that was still an, an amazing, amazing moment. Um, I, I guess I'm just a little bit jaded by what they're doing with MJF right now. Um, you know, weekly sing-alongs and, mm -hmm. you know, silly arguments and silly segments that I don't see him right now as a marquee star, even though he is the future of yeah. all elite wrestling. Uh, I, I just feel like I want him as far away from Chris Jericho as possible. Yeah, we got to get fans back, man, because I think 
you know, MJF's one of those guys that just thrives in front of a full crowd. You know, I know they've got some, and you know, credit to them for doing it safely down at Daly's place with the the uh, small capacity that they're doing. But if we can get back into like you know ten thousand seat arenas and you know people booing uh, their heads off for MJF, I think that I think that could be a really good thing for for him and for the company. Uh, we got a couple emails left. Next one comes from Man of the Hour. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling tag teams? So the Mount Rushmore question gets asked a lot, and it's usually kind of like the same seven or eight names that kind of get interchanged with that. But when we're talking about tag teams, if you could, I guess you'd have to have eight heads on the, the Mount Rushmore uh, if you wanted to do four tag teams. Uh, who are some of your uh, tag teams that you would have to put up there as the uh, greatest of all time to put on your Mount Rushmore? So I thought about this a lot, and, and I'll tell you one team that's not on there for sure is not the Young Bucks. But mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of honorable mentions out there and past favorites for me, like the Bushwhackers, the Rockers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of those type of names. And then I also started thinking about, you know, do I count like the four horsemen and are or, or they counting because they're a, a faction? Um, and I couldn't do that. I have to count true tag teams um, with the exception of the first one that I started off with here, which is the New Day, because I feel like the New Day, for one, longest reigning tag team champions of all time, um, eight time tag team champions in the WWE. Um, change things and continue changing things for african-american wrestlers um in the wwe uh ventured outside to do you know huge outside ventures such as up up down down um relating to things like you know the dragon ball saga with what they come out with they they really cater to their fans a lot you know doing things like bootios which i mean correct me if i'm wrong i don't know many stars anymore that get their own notoriety like that that have their own serial i mean it's been a long time since i've seen anything like that um so the the new day definitely is up there um as well i'm gonna go a little bit old school here the legion of doom the road warriors those two guys hawk and animal those guys make my list as one of the best tag teams of all time uh, personal favorites of mine i'm not sure if many people would consider them best of all time but i think that for their generation um they were very very controversial and and also changed the game uh and that's the new age outlaws you know with doing things like the you know south park kind of gimmick obviously being part of um degeneration x um and being successful in several different things you know i, I think back to um the uh, Chainsaw Charlie and mm-hmm. Cactus Jack match with yeah, the dumpster. With the dumpster. Yep. Great match there. Yeah, I mean they they've done it all. Um, they are Hall of Famers. Uh, the, those guys are fantastic. And of course, to me, I think that um, the other no brainer here that there are two guys um, originally in ECW, then the WWE, successful anywhere that they've been. Um, and that, of course, are the two guys from Dudleyville, Bubba Ray, Devon, the Dudley Boys. I respect your list, and I respect your choices. I think mine are, my list is going to look a little different uh, because I'm a little older, and mine's going to have a little bit more of an old-school flared 
to it. I uh, figured it would. I I, I, I got to put the Road Warriors on there, Legion of Doom. I think that you know they were they were a draw. At, they were one of the first tag team draws where you know people talk about that road. They still talk about the Road Warrior pop. That they that they get when they would come out, they say everybody even to this day is chasing chasing that uh, road warrior pop. So I think that uh, you know the Legion of Doom, the the fact that they had so much main event success over so many years in both companies, uh, I think I got to put them on there. Uh, one that I think a lot of people would agree with me on, but might not come to their mind uh, at first, would be the Rock and Roll Express. And when I hear the, you know, I was kind of got into wrestling kind of at the end of like the heightened, uh, the height of the Rock and Roll Express's uh, run in Jim Crockett. But, you know, they were one of the few tag teams that was, they would have like an A show and a B show. And they would send like Ric Flair to the A show to headline. They would send the Rock and Roll Express to the other show because they knew that they could do just as good of a house uh, on top as Ric Flair could do on top and they even had like this Rock and Roll Express summer tour where they, these guys were like in a bus like driving around and going to like these uh, they were headlining these sh- sold out shows against the Midnight Express you know every weekend in the in these towns because the rock and rolls were just so big they were just so prominent and even to this point you know at at this point in uh in wrestling lore they talk about you know, how good of a worker Ricky Morton was, uh, you know, and then, you know, Robert Gibson getting the hot tag. Still but, is. But still yeah, R- Ricky Morton is to this day, <laughs> you know, still outworking guys that are uh, a third of his age. So like, I, I put Giving the Rock and Roll Express and on there. Uh, I'm going to put the Steiner brothers on there. And it, it shocks me. And I know why they're not in the Hall of Fame. It's because Scott has got heat with so many people at WWE. But the stuff that Scott Steiner was doing in the 80s, you know, I, he was – the Hurricane Con Rana is, is the Frankensteiner. You know, he was the one who uh, who made that move and then, you know, it has, over the years has gotten to – you know, some people still call it the Frankensteiner. But the fact that it's used so prominently and then he was doing it when he was, you know, twice the size of the guys that are doing it now. Uh, I think uh, he was one of the first people I ever saw do a 450. You know, Scott Steiner was doing this stuff. Big jacked up Scott Steiner was doing these things. And, uh, you know, Rick Rick had a real good singles run before his brother even got into the business. They were talking about putting the NWA title on on uh, Rick against uh, Ric Flair. And then to put those two together and just the, the styles and the, the suplexes and the, the innovation and the fact that they had, you know, prominent title runs in both the WCW and WWE, I think the Steiners kind of get undersold a little bit. And uh, they're definitely one of my favorites of all time. And then I'm going to put the Hardys on there. And the reason I'm going to put the Hardys on there is that you mentioned the Young Bucks earlier. If the Hardys never existed, the Young Bucks would never exist. And I think every tag team today, especially outside of like FTR, if you look at all the other tag teams that you see in in AEW and a lot lot of the single stars you see in AEW, I think they patterned their wrestling career and wanted to get into wrestling because of the Hardys. You know, I, I honestly believe that... You know, without the Hardys, there would be no uh, 
what is it, uh, TH2. There'd be no uh, Young Bucks. There'd be no Private Party. Uh, there'd be no uh, uh, Top Flight. You know? But I thought everyone's invited. <sighs> That's what they say, Doug. They say it's a private party, but everyone's invited. So, you know, how do I feel? Like, if I get invited to this private party and I'm thinking, like, oh, man, I'm kind of like a big deal. Like, it's a private party. I get invited. And then everybody's there. You know, is was it really, like, that exclusive of a party? I kind of feel like shit after that. So I'm just saying, I think private parties should be heels. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's so, true. That's true. So I'm going Road Warriors, Rock and Roll Express, Steiners, and Hardys. You know, I I agree with all of them except for to me the Steiners. Like I, I feel like I'm up and down on them. Yeah. You know, I've I've never been too big of a Scott fan. Um, the Hardys definitely absolutely can belong on there. Um, you know, like you said, everybody nowadays as far as wrestling. I mean, if you take a look at Two of the biggest inspirations are Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, the the wrestling of today. And, you know, also, if you're talking about longevity, too, with the Hardys, I mean, these guys, um, I mean, look at Matt Hardy completely reinventing himself and, and doing the whole thing, too, when it comes to becoming, you know, Brother Nero and, and you know, Broken Mad. The, the, mm-hmm. they've, they've done it in different ways. So I, I, I agree with you on that. All right. Final email. You can always send those to us at rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com. And Doug, final email comes from Ben in Philly, who writes, Who has been the most disappointing or poorly used AEW addition so far? So AEW has brought in a lot of new names, uh, especially since the company is just over a year old. I guess they're all kind of new names that they brought in. But if we specifically think about who they brought in over the last year or so, is there anybody that really stands out to you as either uh, not been utilized correctly or somebody you had higher expectations for? Do we have time still? <laughs> we, list we, got, have? we got time, baby. It's, it's, it's going to be All like right. your NXT list from earlier of, of failed NXT call-ups. Like, we could go all day. Uh, yeah. We could go all I mean, day I, with I, that. I can go all day. And, Let's and do it, I'm man. I'm going to give you some reasonings here. All, all right. right. First off. Brian Cage. Who better? Brian Cage. Who better? Yeah, it just who better? <laughs> you know, the guy is a beast. The guy can go. The guy is mega jacked. Um, great wrestler. You bring him in to win the uh, what was it ladder match at that time? Mm-hmm. He destroys and injures Darby Allen, and he hasn't done a thing since. Nope. He took uh, a back seat. Hold on a second. Starks. Hold on a second. He's the FTW uh, He's champion, a champion, sir. He's carrying. He's carrying the gold. But yeah, he's got a fake belt. I mean, for sure. he, yeah, he's got. He was given a belt. He's not a mouthpiece. He's not even the muscle anymore because you have yeah. powerhouse Hobbs, and you don't. I don't even know how he fits in Team Tad. Lance Archer. Lance oh. Archer came in. He should have won the TNT Championship tournament match mm-hmm. so he already lost one big title match when it comes to that and they were building him great the backyard uh brawls and everything that he was doing loses all of his heat when he comes to that um tnt championship match with cody mm-hmm. then you don't see him for a while and the next thing that he does 
is he wins a battle royal, which he didn't really win because Eddie Kingston was never eliminated. I was never he, eliminated! He wins a battle royal to go against John Moxley, and he loses a second title match. Yep. How is he ever going to challenge for a title anytime soon again when all, all he's done is lose title matches? The only other thing that he's done is won against jobbers and beat people up in the backyard. <coughs> uh, Brian Cage, next for guy, sure. Yeah. Oh, we're, whoa, we got more. Okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I told you, I got a list. Go for it. Oh, he, he needs list a, and reasoning. Too. He needs Gatorade. He's got he's got, right. like got to get some electrolytes to uh, finish the list here. All right. Do you remember a year ago how hot Luchasaurus was? Mm-hmm. How everybody was chanting for Luchasaurus. He was the breakout star when it came to the Jungle Express, and the guy you know could do no wrong. Uh, you know, people, when I went to, I think it was Double or Nothing, um, the first Double or Nothing, people were chanting for Luchasaurus, and, I mean, it was just amazing the type of, you know, the type of pops that the guy was getting. I mean, that's someone who definitely has been poorly used and disappointing since the inception of AEW. I'm also going to talk about Colt Cabana, for obvious reasons, brought in, steady hand, it, brought in in this storyline um, with the Dark Order, joins the Dark Order, and then does nothing. Have you seen Colt Cabana lately? Because I haven't. No. I mean, he just kind of comes out with them, and he's now just part of, weirdly, a part of the Dark Order. Sean Spears, the chairman, came out such huge hype with that Road 2 series when it comes to Cody. I mean, those guys should have put on an amazing show, Crack Cody over the head in what was a scary yet star-making spot for Sean Spears. And, you know, fell into by the wayside, was, you know, did nothing for a very long time, came back and seemed to have this, what looked to be a really good feud with Scorpio Sky. They have like a little like one-off that meant nothing, or Sean Spears loses, and then it's just over. There's no, There's nothing else since then. Um... I've got a few more here. Go for it. The Lucha Bros. The mm. Lucha Bros, to me, are guys that are automatic top stars in the company. They are, you know, Escalera de la Muerte with those two and also the Young Bucks was one of the highly touted matches since the inception of AEW. I mean, those guys, they, they pile drove Matt Jackson during the AEW ticket rally in Las Vegas um, before AEW ever really started. I saw those two guys in the ring live in Chicago in AAW Pro, and the pop was like nothing I've ever heard before with 500 people in that ring. The, the, the place was legitimately shaking. Those two guys by themselves are great. Those two guys as a team are great. And, yeah, they're kind of in this weird little thing with, feud with Eddie, but they don't follow it up from week to week. You know, I, I don't even know. They just had a six-man tag that Pac wasn't even a part of, you know, for their death triangle that people were really excited for. I don't even know what's going on with that. LAX? LAX? You watched LAX with Impact Wrestling. Oh, yeah. That's all I have to say is anybody who who doesn't know what I'm talking about, go watch Santana and Ortiz in Impact Wrestling to whatever the hell that they're doing right now. 
And lastly, and maybe the most egregious out of all of them, is the best man, Miro. Mm. That's all I have to say. I'll give you your shine here. And uh, I know there was a list of like eight, but they have a lot of guys that they've brought in that have just done nothing. And, and it's really disappointing um, to see a company like AEW drop the ball so much on so many guys. Well, let me ask you about that because, you know, I'm a big Jim Cornette fan, and Corny has a theory about that. His theory is that, you know, we let, we bring these guys in and we tell them that we're going to give them, you know, freedom to do what they want to do. And Miro wants to be a weirdly dressed video game fanatic, and that's what he wants to do as his character, and Tony Khan's letting him do it, and it sucks. And he's in the occasional tag team match and the occasional post-match beatdown. Does it suck because AEW is using them wrong, or is it, does it suck because AEW is giving them too much leeway on, on their character? I mean, I think it's both. both. Yeah. I mean, you you give you give the guys you have to give the guys some type of direction. Sure. You know, and Miro is not beating up security guards because he wanted to. AEW is making that happen, and that was a completely meaningless thing for that to happen. Um, The things he's saying, sure, that's Miro. You know, his intensity, sure, that's Miro. The guy popping to his own name but still being a heel, that's Miro. Um, you know, the way he dresses, that's Miro, but they have not done, I mean, what is the best man thing? I really still don't understand whatever that gimmick is and I feel like they haven't mentioned it in a while, so maybe they're dropping it, but this guy should be a monster. This guy should be a beast. This guy is a guy that you could easily tomorrow, if you had the right build with him, put him convincingly in the world title picture. I think that those exact words you just said about being a monster, being a beast, and if you build them right, they could be in the world title picture, could could work for Brian Cage, could work for Miro, yep. could work for Lance Archer, could work for all those guys, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Brian Cage and, and Miro were the two that, that I had. Brian Cage has been, you know, reduced to a two-word catchphrase as just a another piece in a faction that where he doesn't stick out with a with a fake belt when he should be in the main event title pick and Rusev's just wearing weird clothes and and jumping guys after matches and and I guess helping Kip Sabian get ready for his wedding and then there's the most egregious one that you haven't mentioned and that's Luther (laughs) <laughs> Luther is only I looked it up he's only 8 and 7 in 2020 Doug that's barely above 500 this guy should be at least 13 and 2 he should be challenging for one of the main titles how justice for Luther is all I gotta say you know I thought you were gonna say another guy here and I'm going to get internet heat here but I want people to bring it Um, Because I had a most egregious one that I didn't mention, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to mention it, and that's Kenny Omega. I feel like Kenny, over the last – since AEW's inception, up until about two weeks ago, was by far the most misused guy 
on AEW's roster. The guy wasn't putting on great matches. The guy on the mic was underwhelming at best. Um, I mean, it, it just... He was the so not exciting in anything that, uh, you know, you just forget about him. The the jury remains out and where they're going to take him, you know, moving forward when it comes to him as world champion. Um, you know, it was a big letdown side the way that he beat John Moxley. And, you know, while I loved his promo on Impact Wrestling on last Tuesday, his promo on AEW Dynamite was another huge letdown. And, and I say that because it was the same exact promo of what he said on Impact Wrestling. Exactly. Damn it. Yeah. So, like, we know you on, didn't watch Impact, so we'll just say it again. <laughs> so, on AEW Dynamite, Kenny Omega, to me, is still disappointing, even being the world champion. Because, and, and I mean this with the utmost respect to Kenny, because he could be so much better he deserves so much better um i'm excited to see where he goes now that he brought the cleaner persona back you know i I will tell you um i stood up when he beat um sunny kiss in five seconds because that to me was exactly what i've been waiting for for kenny for a year but again let's see where it goes with him you kind of gave the stephen a smith compliment there where it's like uh, now, uh, where you kind of put put the guy down, but then you build him back up, and then you put him back down again, or he's like, uh, like, don't get me wrong, Kenny Omega is a very close personal friend of mine. However, <laughs> Kenny Omega should be locked in a broom closet anytime a microphone's around. So Are you? Does that mean you're Skip Bayless? Oh, I, God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope I hope because I'm not either one of those guys. Is, you know, uh, I, I don't know about you, but Tom Brady is <laughs> Tom Brady. Talent. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna put the world title on anybody. It's got to be Tom Brady. He's already in Florida. Just put the title on him. <laughs> yeah, that I, I God, if somebody uh, compares me to Skip Bayless, I'll just you know what. I uh, I'm definitely gonna stop podcasting, and I may take uh, you know, bigger <laughs> steps. I don't know, I don't know yet. It hasn't happened yet, so we'll see. Well, that's it for the emails, uh, Doug. Where can the people find uh, STF Underground Podcast, and uh, what else are you doing with ProWrestling.com these days? Well, first and foremost, follow me on the Twitter machine. At Doug, the letter E, wrestling. That's Doug E, wrestling. You can also catch me on the ProWrestling.com covering all all the elite wrestling events. While it sounds like I hate AEW right now and all the things <laughs> that I've said about them, I actually really love AEW. I just want them to be better. Yeah. Um, and I judge them with a harder hand because I cover AEW every single week. Again, on ProWrestling.com. And also on ProWrestling.com, you can catch the STF Underground Podcast, which, by the way, you should follow on Twitter and Instagram, at STF Underground. You can follow us on Facebook, STF Underground Podcast. And, of course, dropping every single week, Fridays, wherever you catch podcasts. 
Thanks to everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Thanks to Doug E. Wrestling for joining me as we clear out the Rhino Wrestling Review mailbag. Follow the show online at Rhino underscore wrestling. That's at R-Y-N-O underscore wrestling. I'm at Dan Rhino on Twitter, and you can always uh, email us, RhinoWrestlingReview at gmail.com, and we will read your comments and uh, questions on the air. Doug, thanks again for joining me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, shit. Going old school. Oh, shit. Wasn't expecting that. Again, I had to bring it back. That, that's my favorite theme here. Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. We will see you next week, maybe, or the week after. Who the hell knows? Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, all that, all the PC ways. Wonderful time. All the uh, politically correct ways we're supposed to say it as well, you know, for those of you uh, snowflakes out there. And uh, don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya! It's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O.